Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to wash your own socks for once in your goddamn life if that isn't too much to ask. That's not too much to ask, actually. I will. On grunt work. something that's long overdue the disrespect of women has got to be through to all the mothers and the sisters and the wives and the friends i want to grunt my love and respect to the end on grunt work the only tv show about the podcast home improvement that jumbles your liar i mean well i mean lots of stuff gets jumbled up on home improvement i think it's only fair that we'd be jumbling up the lies (laughs) uh i am your host dial g for grunt work solano Joined always by my co-host, Truman, 50% of grunt work, 100% nasty, caps. <laughs> Truman, it's good to see you. Landon, it's good to see you in my mind's eye, which is the way that uh, I try to replicate our old method of recording in person. Yes. I, I keep my eyes closed for the entire recording session and picture you sitting opposite me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good to be it's good to be here for this very uh, equality focused and very relevant episode of grunt work tonight. I feel I, I feel like uh, yeah, I feel like this was um, I don't know. I feel like this is a very appropriate episode for us to be watching. Uh, yeah, I have personal reflections that I will go into in a minute. Um, I'm gonna save them for that. Uh, I don't have anything really for the preamble this week except to uh, I was on IMDB. And oh dear! Get ready, everybody. <laughs> sit, sit back, settle in for Landon's IMDb stories. Well, what parents' guide the, details have you got now? The popularity of uh, Home Improvement, the little popularity rating, uh, has gone down by seven hundred and twenty-six uh, that, since its last recording. Um, that's that's the grunt work effect, folks. That's that's <laughs> I us. I think so. Uh, what's it? The Colbert bump? What do you call the grunt work? Uh, uh, it's 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 the grunt work divot. It's the grunt work dip. <laughs> Perfect. Um, also, I for the first time read the synopsis of uh, you know the kind of overview of home improvement, and this is what it says. And I want to get your reaction uh, yeah. as to the accuracy of it. <clears throat> okay, it goes a little something like this: the daily trials and tribulations of Tim the Toolman Taylor, a television show host, raising his. Uh, raising three mischievous boys with the help of his loyal co-host, loving wife, and eccentric neighbor. I mean, my... Okay, my first objection, I think that (laughs) Jill is raising three rambunctious boys with the occasional help of Tim. Secondly, the way they phrase that makes it sound like Tim and Al are two dads raising the kids, (laughs) which I love, which I... I, uh, Give me that show, please, but... um, It puts, yeah. I don't know, it, it puts raising the kids at the forefront, and I'm like, that's not really what the show's about. I mean, yes, it's a big part of it, and probably plays into most episodes, but that's not what it's about. <laughs> it, it, it is it is a family sitcom, but if you asked me what Home Improvement is about, I would primarily say uh, cars and power <laughs> tools. And then... Raising a family is four or five on that list, maybe. I think third is pooping at this point, and and it's on its way to be two or one. Three is pooping, four is farting after eating Polish food. Five is raising a family, and I'm look, guys. I don't want to. I don't want to be going vulgar like that. But you've been listening to what you. If you've been watching, if you've been listening, you know the show is taking us there. I'm just reporting on what I'm seeing. 
Oh my goodness. Um, Truman, <laughs> let's. Uh, we watched an episode of Home Improvement this week. Yes, do you have as always. a synopsis of what it is that we watch. I do have a synopsis of this episode that we oh, watched, boy. and it goes okay. a little something like this. Jill is concerned to discover that Brad's girlfriend, Angela, has been doing his laundry and cleaning his room. When she tells Tim that she's worried that their sons are growing up to view women as domestic servants, Tim dismisses her concerns and assures her that the boys will eventually learn to play the game. One moment, mm. because my, my screen went completely dark. In which men occasionally pitch in around the house to get their wives to stop being mad at them. At Jill's insistence, Tim tries to tell the boys that men and women should take an equal share of the housework, but they don't buy it, and Tim insists that this is the natural order of things. But, after an off-screen encounter with some feminist literature, Tim changes his tune. Also, Tool Time builds a picnic table in 3D! Whoa! Whoa! Okay, right there, that's a preview of my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Truman, um... I have a question for you. Uh, yeah, Sa same one as always. Usually, do you want to guess that title? I do. I have three options. Okay, and I'm not going to comment on my feelings about them because I realize I've been doing that a lot, and that's not a funny part of the show. Okay, first option. <laughs> I find it funny. Don't Hate tell me the... what I like or don't like. Okay, 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 okay. You're right. It's a part of the show that I, the editor of the show, and 50% of the show doesn't think is fair. Okay. So. So half of the people making the show think that me being self-critical of my titles isn't funny. But what's more funny is me being self-critical of myself being critical of the titles. I think it's because <laughs> I am so self-conscious about putting myself out there that I feel uh -huh. like if I criticize what I'm doing as I'm doing it, it, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. kind of shows that I'm not that invested in it. And that way it protects me from having to fully, uh, you know, be vulnerable and put myself out there. Whereas it's... if I just... You know, if it, I just it's the word equivalent of Mark's uh, early defense mechanism of uh, hitting the ground and turning into a ball uh, when the bullies are coming at him. Yes, exactly, exactly. I, I you know, I'm turning, I'm hitting the ground and turning into a ball before any potential criticism can come at me. Um, so anyway, I'm just going to wholeheartedly say these three titles. First option: okay. hate the game, not the player. Okay, I like that one. Yeah, thank you. Second option: 3D equality. Okay. And uh, third, Laundry Days, D-A-Z-E. Okay, listen. I like all your titles. I think there's nothing to be ashamed of, something to be embarrassed by. We all, the, the fact we all come up with those titles at some point in our lives. The fact that you feel like you need to say that is making me feel <laughs> embarrassed and ashamed. Oh, if only I had preemptively denigrated my titles to show that I that I knew that it was bad and to protect myself from criticism. Uh, God. Um, I, w I will say this uh, uh, as your clue for the title okay. this week. Um, yes. Oh, and I w also want to say, I keep forgetting this because it's still new, and we're. I think here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to try out this new Chalupa Challenge game uh, from here until the end of the season since we're so yeah. close. And then we'll make it, if it, if it sticks, we'll make it official beginning season seven um, look the, the the as far as chulupa challenge is concerned the the past few episodes the next couple episodes it's like the last month of the school year no one really gives a shit we're so close <laughs> to the end why try and start well anything listen new? we've had a few uh complaints about the last chulupa challenge they felt some people 
feel it wasn't a valid win because I gave it to you on a technicality. I gave you an alternate way to win the challenge by <laughs> trying to guess what movie uh, the guy had the quote from. So all that to say, we got the new game, which is the Pee Wee Playhouse rules. I've chosen a word uh, previous to this uh, recording. If you say at any point during the episode, uh, chalupas will fall from the sky. Everyone will win free chalupas. If you Wherever don't say it by the end, <laughs> if you don't say it by the end of the episode, I will reveal what the word was, and we move on to next week where we start over from scratch. So, and so if I if I don't if I don't say it, nothing falls from the sky. Correct. <laughs> There's not like a penalty. Th- it's not like razor blades fall from the sky if I don't say it. I'm not. No, protecting no, no. But people. you you fall through the floor into a ah. uh, a pit of razor blades held oh, by little elves that what? are slightly annoyed. Well, only slightly annoyed. <laughs> only slightly annoyed. So, but there's like a fifty percent chance that some of them might like, uh, I don't know, give up on on slicing you. Well, okay, but I mean, like, I'm already falling from a considerable height, and I'm probably going to land yeah, on at least a few really of the razor blades. It's really only like three feet. This is a this is a strange torment that you've set up for me. You really no wonder you didn't uh, you know get the call back to be jigsaw. These these <laughs> these puzzles are not teaching me to appreciate life more. If anything, they're just teaching me to question the person torturing me. <laughs> uh, which is what we should be doing to torturers in the first place. That's the real lesson I'm trying to impart here, mm-hmm. Truman. Mm-hmm. Here's the clue I'm going to give you for okay. guess that title this week. Um, yes, this is maybe the only episode of the series so far that I can think of uh, that has the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen uh, in astonishment of "They said the title meme dot meme dot gif oh. jpg." Uh, 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 the uh, the name of this episode, the title of this episode is "The Feminine uh-huh. Mystique." Oh, Truman, the arrow uh, just went into my lungs. You you didn't get it. It's the feminine incorrect. mistake. The feminine mistake oh, is the no. title of this week's episode, Boo. which was <laughs> broadcast on May 6th, 1997, Boo. directed Boo. by Peter Bonners and written by Laurie Gelman. Uh, still unsure if that's the same Laurie Gelman who broke his or her pelvis. Um her Gelvis, if you will. It was a guy who broke his pelvis, which makes me listen. Okay, I'm not okay. Let's go. This is okay. We're gonna get into our personal reflections, oh, man. Oh, this okay, is, okay. This here is we an go. pelvis work, and I'm gonna use Lori Gelman to get us there. Um, I, I might be presumptuous here. I realize that. Okay, I'm gonna say this episode felt like it was written by a woman. That might be presumptuous of me to say. So maybe in assuming that Lori Gelman was a man and was the man that broke his pelvis previously. Could be a different Laura Gelman. I don't know. I don't have that information. Maybe I presumed. Maybe I'm the asshole. Yeah. Maybe you're making an ass out of you and me. We we can't really know. I I, <laughs> I agree. With, I agree with your assertion there. I mean, continue with your personal reflections. But I agree. Okay. Uh, I held my breath for this entire episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's what season three did to me even three seasons later. I'm like, oh, God, please just don't make me go there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't. I I think it was. I hope this is finally like a definitive new chapter for the show. I, I, that might be a little we're, too hopeful. We're, we're too. We're t- I think we're a little too smart for that, Landon. But but go go with it. I mean, no, speak I, for I, yourself. I, I definitely don't consider myself too smart for anything. But um, yeah, I don't know. But on the, I will say, on the flip side, I, I am a little bit worried 
that they'll use this episode as an excuse to go real hard in the other direction in the next few episodes that we have. Yeah, it, it's it's like, okay, well, to achieve balance, now we need to do a whole episode about how cheating on your wife is actually cool or something like that. Yeah, we're going to get like the man's, you know, one of those episodes, the man's man, where Tim builds a, a robot man that is made of barbed wire and kielbasa. That, that sounds like, okay, the, the man's man sounds pretty close to to like gay culture at that point which would actually be an amazing step in the in, in an interesting direction for this show like the, the <laughs> man's perfect voted uh number nine in detroit weekly's um most eligible bachelor because he's bachelored again uh but he finds out that he he was voted that way by the gay community and we all they all embrace it and it's all a good story the end uh, yes, more. Yes, another episode of I'm woke improvement. Our uh, our our spinoff of the show that is completely different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I I I see I see where you're I see where you're coming from though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, and my only note here about Al. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I think he has maybe my favorite comeback of the series in this episode. It was a real. I think I know the one you're talking about, <laughs> and it was spectacular uh the the word if i had to if i was writing what if i was writing a story uh about my reaction watching this episode the word i would use for the noise i made was guffaw yes yes uh, my, but we'll, we'll get there in due time what did you my, feel about this episode for me as someone who's been watching home improvement very carefully for a long time out like I, I w- look at this episode, and my first reaction is, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed that this episode of a TV show, a primetime sitcom from the 90s starring Tim Allen, engaged with issues of feminism and equality mm-hmm. and and uh, in, in such a kind of granular way, and like how to raise boys to be good men and how to be equitable in a yep. relationship, <clears throat> broaching the notion that a man can be a feminist, which today is a mainstream idea, but in the 90s was definitely not what people were talking about. So many of those things grading the show on a curve. I am, I am like so shocked and so proud of the show for going there and ha- and getting into these things. And then in so many other ways, Tim says and articulates so many disgusting ideas in this episode <laughs> that are really uncomfortable. And the we, show, yeah, we and, we have and, a lot to talk about here. And yes, I, I, um. I'm going to do my best to not fall into that trap of, you know, uh, contextualizing it for the time that it was in or even, you know, as you said, we're, we're kind of lost in the shit here. <laughs> it's hard yeah, to we, know what, you know, how to judge reality from fiction. Uh, lost in the sauce, I think you mean. Yes. But lost. yeah, I just didn't want to be Lindsey Graham. I no no one does. No one does. Uh, you don't want to have to play golf with the former president for six hours a day to maintain your political career. Um, I look, I, I agree. Like, so my point is we are we are way too close to this thing to judge it objectively. I am just impressed Season three home improvement would not have handled this issue no. as well as it does in season six. At the same time, the way that they handle this issue and talk about some things through today's lens is objectively horrifying. But so well, I was grading, gonna, I was going to save this for the deep dive, and and maybe I should. Maybe we should just get to it. But yeah, maybe um, we should just dive. I I I feel like it might be good just to to, to say this as as like a, a coding. <laughs> for us this is the liquid gel to get us into this episode which is oh, great great um one thing i learned in therapy 
is ah, yes. in many a great <laughs> story begins this way. The in, Hobbit in dealing with um, people of past generations that that have certain ideas or whatever, it, they are dealing with things. They're handling situations at the capacity. The, the way that they have capacity for it. So it, yeah. it seems somewhat unfair to hold the show accountable to a certain mindset and um, ability that it doesn't have. Yes. Uh, that's just a Agreed. fruitless battle. And now, it is frustrating to have to take something on its own grounds when its own grounds are so you know far removed from where we are. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard to fault it for trying to do good with the lack of capacity that it has. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I mean, yeah, it's... The the show is going to be the way it is, no matter what we're here saying about it. We can get outraged and bent out of the shape about the same things over and over again, and we frequently do. But at the end of the day, like, th- this is representative of what the entire nation and culture was thinking at the time, and... yeah. Yeah. So okay. so yeah. We're not we're not indicting the writers. We're not indicting the actors. We're engaged in cultural commentary and speculating about how we got from there to here. Um, well, on a good note, uh, I'll let you know that I spent all night last night working on my sign for the march that says "Dignity, Respect, and the Deep Dive." Ah, well, well, great. And your face is partially hidden behind it, so uh, <laughs> you're you're truly following in a certain neighbor's footsteps. So we uh, open. <laughs> Yeah. On tool time. I, I, gave, I gave you a space there. Uh, we open on tool time where Tim is looking at a couple of cameras that are pointing towards each other at 90 degree angles with a, with a, like a, a plate between them. And each of those cameras is labeled WLNO, which I guess <laughs> is glad. the name of the, the UHF station that uh, tool time is on. Who are you, me? Because that's a note that I would take and did take uh, to know what the call sign is for Tool Time and the, the well, not even Tool Time, the channel that broadcasts everything on the network. That was uh, interesting that it took six seasons to see that. Yeah, I know. I, and, and looking at it, I was trying to figure out, okay, is there a joke hidden in, in this four-letter call yes. sign? And the closest I could come up with is, well, no. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Yeah, no, it's it's all right. It's all right. Um, but yeah, so you should t- also and- mention the the first and only. Well, we only get one appearance of the grunt creep usually, but it was a weird one. Um, it just it felt kind of uh, basic this week, where he just lifts himself up on a jack, like putting himself in the lower corner of the screen that says home improvement to let you know what show you're watching, and then he just falls from the you know screen. Like, yeah, he, he wasn't engaging with anything on the set. It almost just felt like you're coming back from a commercial break and it was letting you know what show you're watching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything particularly surprising about the fact the grunt creep fell off screen while doing something that is, I would be no. more I would be more surprised if he if he walked off screen under his own power. <laughs> um, anyway, Tim is uh, talking about these cameras uh, as Al comes in and says hi. And Tim turns around wearing 3D glasses and he says that uh they are going to be doing Tool Time in 3D, um, not, not just Tool Time, but every single show on the station. That's, including uh, Cooking with Irma. And Knitting with Norm, both of which, this this is the sort of level of, like, 
I, I can picture the the marker board in the writer's room of just like these are our mainstay mainstay references that we have to have. Uh, the WLMO or LNO uh, network shows are these because we met Norm, we met Irma both uh, last season when they won the awards at the award show. Remember the Halloween episode where? Oh where, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're dressed up dressed in, like in a costumes. Mouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, before this, I was living in a hole in the wall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Norm Norm was the guy who looked like George R. R. Martin. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I love that the, that WLNO is anchored by basically three shows, and then the rest of it is just Perry Mason reruns. I guess syndicated <laughs> content, maybe the evening news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so so you know, Al is just very dubious, and he's doing so. Look, folks, this pres- I, my assumption watching this is that okay, this was a ABC gimmick. There, we printed up 3D glasses because there will be 3D I bits on home improvement, and so. And there's a bunch of meta humor where Al is talking about, oh, 3D, that's just cheesy. It's a dumb gimmick, you know, and, and uh, Tim is all excited about it, talking about all yeah. his favorite horror movies that were in 3D, whereas Al is saying, my favorite movie was The Sound of Music. And t- <laughs> Tim well, says, okay. be- <laughs> let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Because uh, Al, as you said, is dubious and says, uh, oh, great, that'll be an attention grabber. Uh, Irma's fish kebabs flying at the camera, um, which was funny. And yes. also want to say it worked with Jason. So calm down, Mr. Borland. Uh, you don't know your he, horror films. For he, once, he, he's I'm on not, Tim's side here. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Al has ever watched a single horror film? Can you imagine Al and his mom cozied up on the couch with a bowl of popcorn watching a horror movie? <laughs> I think there was probably. Uh, he's probably the type like me who was a little traumatized by uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> or something of that yes. ilk, where there's something scary in it, like maybe the so, uh, Witch Mountain, or uh, what's what's the the end of Fantasia with the uh, um, uh, what the brooms? No, not the brooms. The the one with the oh the Night on Bald Mountain looking thing. Night up, yeah, 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 Night yeah. on Bald Mountain. Uh, something yeah. like that probably terrified or, him as a kid. Or Sound of Music, Nazis taking over a country. That's pretty. <laughs> that's a pretty frightening thing too. Honestly, well, fair. No. No amount of singing children can stop the Nazi war machine. That's the big takeaway from Sound of Music. And so, okay, this, but they're they're talking not to belabor a point here that doesn't matter because we're talking about a fictional TV show. But <laughs> all Al we do on this show is belabor points. Let's be clear. <laughs> Al mentions a real movie. His favorite movie is Sound of Music. Um, mm-hmm. But Tim mentions, you know, the the horror movies that he loved watching in 3D, and he lists Doctor Fong's House of Chang Gang Cheerleaders. Which is like, as somebody who watches a lot of horror and exploitation films, made my head spin at what that title is referencing. Because it references like three different decades and three different subgenres of movies that I'm like, wow. Two two different continents. Yeah. (laughs) They Frankensteined a bunch of different horror movies together. Or Frankenstein's monstered a bunch of uh, different horror movies together. Yeah, it was uh, it was something else. Uh, I don't particularly like that they used the Doctor Fung part because, like, eh, okay, um, or the the voice that Tim does with that. But uh, Tim says, "Well, the Sound of Music that's a movie that could have been bene- uh, could have benefited from 3D." Can you imagine fifty nuns flying at you like ping pong balls? <laughs> and he gives a joke that is confounding to me. Yes. As the audience is kind of chuckling at that, and he goes, it's like a bad habit, and the audience loses their mind at that joke. And I'm like, it's, it's not. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's not even a. 
if you were if you were making a joke about a nun's habit that was all ripped up or made out of bad material, that is a bad habit. But like, ab- <laughs> or also, a nun that's hooked on heroin. Also, also for that matter, uh, the in the Sound of Music, there is not a scene where fifty nuns charge at the camera, so the 3D <laughs> wouldn't do that. Putting the movie in 3D doesn't mean that suddenly all the nuns run at the camera. Like that, it just means that the mountains look better. I guess it's. It takes the uh, the Avatar approach, where it, it's more about the depth of the movie than it is about things coming at you. Yes, yes, exactly. It, it, yeah, it takes the Avatar approach, where uh, when the uh, oldest Von Trapp daughter uh, starts hooking up with the mailman, they connect their hair to one another and become one, and they go flying <laughs> those, on his on his bicycle. All those German braids just getting entwined with one another. It's 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 a kinky movie. <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm I'm uh, I'm 16 going on Iwa, the life force of the Navi. <laughs> uh, that one not as much of a hit. They don't they don't do that one for live sing-alongs. So uh, anyway, Tim Tim explains that 3D is going to make the audience feel like they're on set with him, and Al goes, mm-hmm. "Oh, so they can feel the same terror that I do." Tim then. <laughs> Tim then does something very interesting where he goes over to the cameras and how they're set up, and he actually explains the 3D shooting process, which yeah, I thought was I, I I really liked it because it it was that hey that's the sort of thing that Tim as a technical guy he would be very interested in the mechanics of how 3D is done and I also like that on a show that is presumably going to be doing this a bunch he's explaining to the audience the science behind the visual gimmicks they're about to get I, which is it was strange uh but not unwelcome yeah yeah I I mean it, it's great I feel like I I learned a little more also whenever like Whenever I see two cameras set up next to each other on a mount, I automatically assume they're doing a Tommy Wiseau The Room thing where they're filming it in digital and on film at the same time at great expense for no reason. You know Uh, they're waiting for that 25th anniversary to release the slightly to the left cut. (laughs) I feel like that was the main problem with The Room. Everything was just a little too far to the right, and it doesn't work. If you move that film a little bit to the left... Uh, suddenly it all makes sense. <laughs> really deep cuts for people who know anything about the room. Um, I, I, I feel like if you're if you're if you're with us at the end of season six, you either understand our deep cuts or have learned how to like tune them out and and are are vibing right now. Grunt work or how lo- I learned lo-fi, to love the deep cuts. <laughs> lo- lo-fi podcasts to study to. Um, so. Uh, Tim tells Al, hey, man, lighten up. Uh, let me show you a little clip of what I recorded earlier today with this. And uh, Al puts on the glasses, looks at the monitor, and starts watching Tim fuck around with some... I don't even know what kind of tool this is. Just, like, That's, long uh, grabbers. The, yeah, props Props department built this. They're, like, just a couple of... Spi- it's, like... Yeah, it's a couple like a of spiky... Yeah, a spiky lobster claw on a couple of operable arms, like a, like a hedge <laughs> trimmer. Yeah. And... So Al is watching this and saying, oh my, oh my gosh, it's so realistic. And then Tim is behind him with the same clippers and he's stroking them against his neck. And Al is startled by this and turns around and then this gets a bigger laugh than it deserves, but then turns around and then is just giving Tim this flat deadpan look as Tim reaches out with the clippers and gently grabs him by the nose. And I want to just call out Richard Carnes' Herculean next level Lawrence Olivier acting of not laughing when you know he wants to just standing there and frowning at Tim as he does this when I saw that in the cold open I predicted wrongly uh we are going to have five minutes of outtakes of yeah this episode will be 60% bloops (laughs) 
<laughs> Although there is the the bloopers on the disc uh, that we'll get to at the end of the season. Oh, maybe man. maybe that seven minute clip is just that <laughs> over there's and a, over the, again. There's a whole extra DVD that is just Richard Karn breaking in that scene. <laughs> uh, we go to the theme song. Yes, Truman. Landon. We only have two more two more times of looking at this thing. Landon, I gotta be honest with you. I should be I should be appreciating it. Well, a I still don't one hundred percent believe that we're gonna get a new theme song as we discussed <laughs> last week. I've been burned yeah, too many right. times. Also, I always when the theme song comes, I am so busy shoring up my notes from the cold open that I barely even look at it anymore because I just take it as a respite. Like I, it takes. It used to be I could just like breeze through the show without pausing because the plots were so simple. Now there's yeah. so much shit going on. Now there's so much density to the episodes. I know. It takes that, me about an hour to get through an episode. I, I know, dude. Exactly. Like I, I've got to like build time into my day for this. I can't just you know <laughs> whiz through it and like right before we record. Which I mean, props to the show. You you are now like you know giving us more to consider and deal with. Yeah. But I have to pause so much to get down everything that's happening. <laughs> uh well you know what people pay us to go back and rewatch the things that we missed i.e the theme song so uh i think you owe some people some money is all i'm saying <sighs> well okay well, we already gave them a bunch of chalupas oh, you're and, right well not the and, and we've we, denied them yeah okay that's fair that's fair uh so anyway, we, we get through this. Okay, well, yeah, this is one of the last few times seeing the opening credits. I'm not even really engaging with it. Next season, I'm going to have to go frame by frame through the opening credits and pause it to take notes on everything. So you are. get get ready for an even bigger time commitment for this damn show. <laughs> we go from the theme song to Home, uh, where the first person we see is Angela. She's there doing laundry for Brad. Um, what? I know. She walks well, in and out of the frame pretty quickly. You heard the synopsis. Um, Jill comes in and sees Angela spin through the room and, uh, Mark and Randy are there and asks them, what, what the, why is she doing Brad's laundry? And, and Mark says, well, he, she probably wanted something to do after cleaning his room. And Jill is immediately very put off by this. Whereas Randy and, and Mark seem to think it's pretty cool. And Mark says, Mark, Mark, who has some really good lines in this episode. He's got, he's got some bangers now. He says, I wonder if Angela has a younger sister. My closet's a mess, which is, (laughs) I don't know. I really like what, I mean, it's, it's like Mark is now learning for, it's like Brad has gotten older and got a girlfriend. And so he's not hanging out with Randy (laughs) as much. So now Randy's sense of humor is being passed on to the younger boy. Taking, the the content of what he's saying out of what he's saying and just that he is making a, a joke and selling it well um yeah i agree with you yeah i mean well yeah like obvi- obviously the bigger picture of it isn't great but i mean in in the moment i think it's a it's a funny line from someone who has been barely on the show for a lot of this season <laughs> it's season <laughs> i don't know man i can't look I, again this he's season has been like on the show I don't know. I don't know how long anything is. I don't know when the last time was we got a solid Mark episode. I I, don't, I can't tell you when he learned to fly, and even then we saw Tim in the fucking Blue Angels. I think so. I, I can't. Uh... I can't tell you one thing that happened in season five. I don't remember anything <laughs> from season five. We've been in season six for so long. I, I look. Don't uh-huh. don't ask me about it. like I can only tell you about what Mark has been up to this season, and even then the memories are hazy. So. <laughs> Uh, so she's uh, so yeah. Uh, Brad and and Angela have gone off upstairs, and Jill yeah. is lamenting and saying to the boys, "I didn't I, raise my." She's sons. more than lamenting. She is. She's like she is concerned. She yeah. Uh, she yeah. Almost like is yelling at the boys, especially after Mark makes that comment. 
Yeah, I didn't raise my sons to regard women as servants. You do your own laundry, you clean up your own messes, you do not treat women like they were put here to wait on you hand and foot. And Never never is, under any circumstance do you yes. treat the female sex like they are housekeepers, like they are here to wait on you hand and foot. Like, she is wagging her finger, and her voice is uh, very angry. I've never seen Jill this angry, actually. Well, I, I've seen her uh, this angry. I've never seen her expressing I, herself so so frantically. I've never seen I've never seen Jill criticizing the central premise of this show as explicitly <laughs> as she has. I mean, during this scene, this is when I was like, "Oh, buckle in. This episode is about all the shit we've been criticizing the show for yeah. for the past four and a half years of our lives." And uh, as soon as actually as soon as Mark said his line, my stomach dropped and I'm like, "Oh god, is that what we're going to do here?" <laughs> and no, my stomach dropped when as Jill was going into this, we see Tim walking into the background and I'm like, Oh no! The only reason she's going into this much detail is to set Tim up for a for a banger that's really gonna be bad, and uh, yeah. So Tim, you know, as she finishes the bit about we're not here to wait on you hand and foot, Tim throws a sweatshirt at her and says, "Hey, babe, can you pop this in the wash or something like that?" And she and, throws it. She throws it right back at him, and and Randy goes, "And we're gonna pop out of here," and they both leave. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, so Jill uh, starts explaining to Tim about what's going on, and Tim predictably doesn't seem to think it's a very big deal that Brad is doing uh, doing not Brad. It would be great if Brad was doing Angela's laundry, except that he'd probably ruin all of her nice sweaters. That uh, Angela's doing Brad's laundry. In I, in this part, it was like uh, I didn't know what the problem was going to be. I knew it was going to be a problem, but I didn't know if it was going to be that Tim didn't understand the problem or didn't think it was a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was still a little T- ambiguous to me here. I, I look, and I think that I think that the way I think this episode would have would have been there would have been the laughs would have been a little more wholesome if it had just been Tim not understanding the problem versus Tim not thinking the problem is a problem. If it had just been Tim going yeah, like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, if Tim was just, do- again, as I've said before, Tim being doofy and stupid and not getting things is one of the most likable and forgivable and yeah. empathetic Tims that there is. Tim acknowledging the disparity but not really giving a shit about it, that's harder for me to get behind. It's a little more contemptible, yeah. And um, and, and Tim, Tim, expl- like, Tim explains his feeling about it by saying... Uh, Ari, colon, Brad, and Angela in the laundry. It's the same old story. Boy meets girl. Girl does boy's laundry. I get yelled at, which is, you know, giving you an idea of how Tim is approaching this. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so, listen, you know, when you're dealing, and we, I feel like we've dealt with this a number of times this season. When you're dealing with a topic like this, you have to set a, a disruption to the status quo. You have to establish your stakes. You have to establish what the issue is. And part of doing that is by showing somebody taking a stance against the topic in which you're going to discuss. Yes. Yes, there are better ways to finesse it than this show tends to do at times. But, you know, I think you have to feel the problem uh, if you're going to come to a solution for it to some degree or an understanding of it uh by the end of it and, and, and you know and that is a that is a very fair point and i guess so there is some value in tim being this boorish and to be fair the show's position it's the the moral weight of the show or the show is taking jill's side in this like tim never really mounts an effective argument against this and even the audience mm-hmm. is kind of gasping at some of the stuff that he's saying so i clearly tim is taking on this boorish position to 
you know, he, he's he's setting up uh he's setting up an untenable position for Jill yeah. to pick apart with really good feminist logic. So that's you know, it's it's I, I think, yeah, it's, I think just general logic. Okay, general logic. <laughs> I'm just saying J- Jill is Jill L- is, Lieutenant Logic takes him down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> just I don't know the, the the things that she's talking about and the concepts that she's talking about in this episode are I feel like I I was impressed with how deep she gets into these things and how we're still talking mm-hmm. about a lot of these same issues today, which but, is kind of depressing in and of yeah, itself. But or, or or I would wager pretty depressing. But I don't know. I I I felt I felt like the 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 benefit of Tim being as as heinous as he is is that it at least is is setting up for Jill to put some pretty good messaging out there to a yeah. you know tens of millions of people who watched this episode. Uh yes, and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do a, a personal reflection after this episode is over. What uh, once we go through everything? Yes, um, because we, I, we, I, we could do that this whole time. We could, didn't you know? That's why we have a whole pe- postamble. I I should I should have read the I should have read the manual for this show. I, God damn it! Well, I've been meaning you know to what? get around to that. <laughs> uh, we get a laundry machine transition to Brad's room. Uh, Jill walks in, and okay, before we go into the scene. Two things, uh, three things, one thing. Um, Seven things. I don't things. know how to do math. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zero things. Uh, we haven't been in the boys' rooms in a while. Yeah. Um, I forgot about the property master's uh, obsession with masks. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't even Did know. You- I was... I look. I was more focused on there was like a bicycle wheel on the wall well, of his room. The, that was the other thing. The the what do you call it? the the two penny bicycle a penny What's farthing. That? Yeah, penny, penny farthing. Farthing. Yeah. I just finished my my rewatch of the prisoner, which the penny <laughs> farthing is uh, a huge aspect of that show, and um, yeah, couldn't it, it distracted me. I was just like, oh, we're watching Home Improvement. Can I go back and rewatch the prisoner <laughs> again instead? Um, but the mask, I, I'm surprised you didn't see the mask. It's like this grotesque-looking Frankenstein head, and then it has a clown, like a rainbow clown wig on top of ah, it. Why it is bo- really disturbing. It would be one thing if it was in Randy's room, Randy the actor, the trickster, the thespian, but what is Brad doing with a mask in his room? I don't know. He also has an armchair in the background of this scene. Like, he's going <laughs> to sit there underneath the, the you know, the, the dim light of... <laughs> <laughs> or the you know a candlelight and read uh, read Poe or something. I I don't always drink Fago, but when I do, I prefer root beer Fago. <laughs> anyway, to uh, the scene. Okay. Uh, wait, wait. One other worked... thing. No, my yeah, okay. listen. I, and I've said this before. I think whenever we come into a scene and the character is typing away furiously on a laptop, and I am typing away furiously on my laptop, taking notes about the laptop. That is the Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at the screen. Uh, meme for me just <laughs> yeah. like oh he, he he's doing my thing i'm doing his thing oh we're, we're close we're buds we're bros we're the same dude uh for our grunt work work listeners uh if you're keeping tabs that's two leonardo dicaprio pointing at the screen dot gif uh moments of this episode we, we um, can get up to five i feel i feel certain so? we can get up to five let's <laughs> not make right, this we'll a try. chalupa challenge or anything but it could be it could be our All new right. bit <laughs> Uh, Jill walks in uh, as Brad is typing away on his laptop, and uh, she starts to express what what's going on. Uh, she wants to talk, and Brad's like, well, we already had the sex talk. She's like, this isn't the sex talk. This is the socks talk. Beautiful line. Love that line. Great line. <laughs> I, I also love that. I, I also love how kind of like, I don't know. They, they, I think that, that 
Zachary Ty Bryan has really nailed the kind of way that a 16-year-old who has touched a couple of boobs uh, is. <laughs> like, the very <laughs> awkward, like, yeah, no, I know, I'm a man of the world. I've I've been around a bit. Like, that's that, that like, yeah. the sort of, the sort of cocky self-assuredness that is so cringy when you look at it at any <laughs> other age. Just like, who the yeah. fuck are you? You've kissed a girl and now you think you're the, the master oh, of, of, of sex. But, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do not, uh, I do not like to think of myself in those. So, let's ne- continue. Neither do I. Continuing. That. Brad explains that Angela offers to do those things for him, yeah. so that's what makes it okay. And Jill is saying, well, you know, you could have said no, well, but I didn't want to be impolite. Do you do anything for her? Oh, not really, but we don't like to keep score. And Jill starts talking about the feminism aspect of this and how it creates an imbalance in a relationship where a woman puts, is expected yeah. to do domestic tasks. She put, puts the woman in a subservient position. Uh, and Brad just like stops her mid sentence and goes, "Is this going to be one of your feminist lectures?" At that point, I was just like, "Oh boy, oh yeah. boy!" I, like oh, the boy. breath that I was holding from the previous scene continued to be held. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I mean, you you really might have killed some brain cells on this one. I mean, twenty two minutes I mean, is a long time to hold your breath. <laughs> We're in season end of season six of Home Improvement, uh, and end of season six of Grunt Work. Uh, I don't have any brain cells left, sir. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, holding your breath might bring a few brain cells back. At this point, anything <laughs> anything could help. Uh, but, yeah, so he, he he explains to her with the true, I mean, re- I don't know. I feel like this is the this is the argument that launched a thousand uh, internet comments, but saying that Angela is choosing to do his laundry, and actually it's anti-feminist of Jill to not want to uh, let Angela do whatever she wants to do. And he says, you're destroying everything that women have tried to achieve. And, um... You know, so that's uh... and, and this. This begins. I, I think, as pig-headed and wrong-minded as Tim is in this episode, it, it's the stuff that Brad says, and it, the show intends it to be. So I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying the, the stuff that Brad says is the stuff that makes me like hurt the most because there's something extra. I don't know, ouchy about it, for lack of a sophisticated word, uh, when it is coming from a young person. And I, I think I, I I agree with you. I think that uh, you know, I think that this uh, this scene is well written because it's like Brad needs to say these things to showcase to the audience this yeah. is a problem. They're raising boys who have this attitude towards women, and it's a problem. Yeah. This is the justification for why Jill is so upset about it. The show wants us to think this is wrong. I, I to- and I totally agree. I think that it's that um, people who were that age in the late nineties are now mm. kind of the vanguard of a chauvinistic uh, retrograde movement and uh, uh, faction in our politics that is yeah. very much believing these things. Like, th- this episode this episode delves into these things and kind of takes an attitude of, like, it's important to do this, but everything will work itself out. And the past 20 years in America yeah. has pointed out, like, no, it, it didn't work itself out. It actually festered <laughs> and got worse in every imaginable way, and we're all going to yeah. die because of it. I don't want to. Yeah, it's hard to laugh at that. Um, and well, yeah, it's I hard to you, laugh you, at a lot of things on this show. You touched on something that I think pinpointed not only this episode but this whole show of like, yeah, you know, they get to uh, uh, the moral by the end of the story. Um, but you know, I after the show ended, you know, for a few years before I was really opened up to the world and different perspectives. Uh, saw a lot of myself in Brad's reaction here, and yeah. like. Yeah. That 
I don't feel good about that, and it kind of makes me have to confront that, which I suppose is a good, healthy thing. Um, I don't think that was the show's intention, necessarily. No. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, you know, that's... All of my kind of preachiness uh, for the past six seasons of the show, I think, can be attributed to mostly me yelling at myself for ever believing in, you know, whatever closed-minded mindset that I had in the past. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, flavors of, you know, I at times as a young man have have believed in flavors of this kind of shit too, and and I spend a lot of time just looking back at things that I said and things that I believed and and hating myself for it. And so, mm-hmm. yes, you know, grunt work brought to you by powerful self loathing. Um, but I don't know. I, I <laughs> self improvement. I think that so- that's that's the more positive thing. I mean, to to open that that. Have the courage to open it up and and examine it and fix yourself and continue to do so until, you know, be open to new perspectives and and ways of of looking at the world from everybody um, for the rest of time. Who who said that improvement was only for homes? It can be for the self as well. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, so coming off of this disheartening conversation with the young, almost voting age man living in her house, Jill goes down to the garage where Tim is working on the hot rod. I use... I've said lament already. I hope lament lament isn't the word that I'm supposed to say this week, is it? No, it is not. Well, it's a shame because in my I'm noticing in my notes I use lament very often. Jill is usually lamenting something to Tim, and Tim is not caring about it. I think that's just in my speed writing. But so Jill goes to the garage and she laments to yeah. Tim that Brad didn't listen to her and none of what she said seemed to sink in. And Tim, as before doesn't really engage with her lamenting doesn't seem to think it's that big of a deal and he, he uses a, a phrase that i feel like could kind of be a log line for the 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 motto of the show which is he's like well you know just hammer it into him yeah ha- hammer it in, yeah hammer it into him and eventually he'll come around to uh to your point of view and jill goes and and what is and what's your point of view on this and tim says something like whatever you want it to be Tim is just very much trying to avoid a fight, not engaging with this. Yeah. He and says that uh, she's, he thinks she's making a big deal out of this. He says something like, uh, he's 16. He has plenty of time to learn how to play the game. Uh, you know. Uh, Yikes. Yeah, that was, and she's like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, you know, to make peace, you have to pitch in. And she's like, make peace? What do you mean by that? So anyway, she says, so making peace, that's the only reason you do anything around here. And Tim, sensing that he's in the soup, goes, and because I really like it. And she says, no, you don't. You're playing the game. Tim goes, the important thing is that I help you out. And she says, do you have any idea how demeaning that sounds? And Tim goes, I used to be better at this game. And, well, that is... And, and well, What he's is... articulating is repugnant. It was, fu- like, the way that the line was delivered was funny. Like, Tim, Tim realizing that he's getting himself into trouble and get out of it, that is on some level inherently funny, even if I don't really condone the belief that he has surrounding it. I just, I just sat bolt upright here because this episode is, and you discussing it and me hearing you discuss it, uh, and me engaging with you discussing it and us discussing it together. Yeah. You're describing what our (laughs) podcast is. Go on. It's finally coming into focus of pop cultural commentary. Yes, it's coming into focus. I feel like for six seasons, I've kind of been dancing around trying to articulate my problem with some of these episodes and some of the sentimentalities. And you just kind of honed in on something for me, which is only took me four years. 
yes, that what he's saying is repugnant. Yes. And it's the fact that it's delivered in a joke that is still expected the audience to laugh at makes the the meaning behind the repugnancy um, lose its potency a bit. Does that make any mm-hmm. sense? You're saying because they make a joke of it, they make the issue seem cheaper. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I think it's even more a little, a little more ethereal than that, where it's like you lose the what you're trying to say by the very fact of making it a joke. Like, mm-hmm. I'm laughing, therefore, that's an affirmative, positive thing I'm attributing. Even though he's saying something repugnant, I'm laughing at it and having a positive reaction and association to something that is supposed to be repugnant. So even I, they're trying to make the opposite point, it's having the reverse effect. And I think and I think that part of this is just that at the time there was a you know mainstream cultural perception right, right, that right. that yeah these things are important to talk about but we can have a laugh about them too. And now right, in, right. in the wake of me too like it's not like anything changed. It's just that now we've listened to women more and realized no that that it was never really a laughing matter. This is a very serious thing that is affecting hundreds of millions of people and needs to be dealt with uh but well, yeah I mean, I mean, it, is, it is bizarre that you know they are making this an issue in 1996 when you know it had been going on since what the 60s um that's 30 years of this and they're only at this point and there's just well you know, i'm not taking the it, show to task for being where they were with it i mean it is what it was but I mean, is is that bizarre to you though that like feminist ideas only started getting on TV in the nineties? Well, no. Like who was who was making TV in the sixties and seventies? Like those like the dudes writing the Rockford Files I, were not well, interested in having that be be I, dealt with. I Columbo, disagree Columbo a was bit. never Columbo was never going like ah one more thing <laughs> uh, who does the dishes after dinner and uh, it's interesting that the wife also does the cooking and then she's also cleaning. I, I disagree a little bit. I think that there in the 70s, there was a, a very forward push. And this is from my limited perspective. I'm not a historian. I'm not a you know a historian of TV or feminism, but there seemed <laughs> but to be But here we go, a, folks. Buckle in. <laughs> there seemed to be a lot more TV shows centered around strong independent women in the 70s. Fair. And true, it true. fell back in the Reagan eras to the nuclear like family. And Therefore, we're like in 1996. It's like the the. It's almost like we reverted so far back that the whole feminist movement had to push through to the surface of the family sitcom uh, to get the views back on the table. And that's yeah. what is. I mean, listen. I'm saying stuff that's you know just occurring to me now in 2021 that I'm sure people were you know uh, very aware of at the time it was happening. And I can't imagine how frustrating it was for them. But like that's what I think is happening and why I've been having such a hard time articulating my frustration with this. Yeah. Um, okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, I I think that's that is a good point. I mean, you're you're right. There was a lot more. Um, I think that society, mainstream society, was kind of further ahead on this issue in the '70s, and then a, a certain uh, certain racist actor in the White House kind of made us stop thinking about it for a while. Um, but so <sighs> look, the point of all this is that. Jill explains What's to Tim that he is he is implying that all of the housework is her responsibility, except when he decides to help her out with it. Tim argues that, well, no, I, I work on the cars, to, and that's how I pull my weight around the house. And Jill owns him by saying, yes, my, wife will be, my life will be so much easier when the hot rod has six to one compression. And Tim goes, well, actually, it'll, it'll have eight to one, which is funny, which is a good line that I laughed at. Um, 
<laughs> but they they come, you know, it, Jill brings this around to what it's really about, setting a good example for the boys. And Tim right. gets defensive and says, I do set a good, I think I set a good example for the boys. And Jim goes, you do, but, and I cringe at the you do, but, but anyway. Uh, well, listen, okay, I, now, I don't take Tim's side on this issue one iota, but, I, you know, I, I think there's a certain binary way of looking at this that is also somewhat problematic, because Tim, for the most part, has been an okay role model for the kids. I mean, when he yeah. does ask, you know, if they grow up to be like me, is that so bad? I think that's later in the episode, but, you know, like... <laughs> yes, there are issues with that. It's not what you think they are. I mean, there are good aspects of... I'm talking to Tim here. Um, yeah. There are good aspects that you've imbued into them, but, you know, there are aspects that you're not thinking of that are the issue. Uh, but yeah. I think all I'm getting to is I think it's a valid question, you know, uh, as a father to say, hey, you married me, you decided to have three kids with me, and, you know, there haven't been any real big problems until now. Uh, you know what? What's the you know? Why am I not? Are you saying I'm not a good father because of this? Like, I think that there's some fairness there. I, okay, I mean, I, I you know, in the sense that like Tim is faithful to his wife, that he doesn't drink to excess, that he doesn't hit his kids. Like, I oh, you know, y- yes, I mean, fi- <laughs> that is setting the bar extremely low. But I am se- I'm setting the bar extremely low. I you're setting the I bar on the floor. Yes, but also this is Tim we're talking about, and a lot of this is grading on a curve. I, okay, I agree. Like. I, I don't know, just that, that Jill immediately gives him like, oh, yeah, you are, but it's like, well, there's a lot of, okay, it's a sitcom. It's, a, lo- it's a loaded butt. It's a loaded butt. I'll give you that. It's, a, it's, a, it's hey, it's like, like the, like, you know, one of the female characters in a Pixar movie, it's got a loaded butt. Uh, so sh- anyway, Tim is, you're just not really responsive to this, but Jill is insisting that just we need to, you know, we, we need to show the boys that there needs to be, you know, equality in a relationship, that you need mm-hmm. you need to tell the boys that you want to be an equal partner. And Tim goes, I like that. It's fine with me if you want to tell them that. And Jill insists that right. he go and tell them that instead. And so Tim... Which is like, okay, the pendulum swings in the other direction was just like, okay, that was a shitty-ass fucking thing to say, Tim, and... The way he even handles going to talk to to Mark and Randy and then defending his approach about that, which we'll get to in this next scene, is like where the big problem comes in. Yeah, because um, we do we cut to the backyard. It's not even like a, a scene change so much as like we just cut to Randy and Mark playing catch in the backyard, and Tim comes out and he's like, uh, "We're gonna talk about relationships." No, 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 no. Oh, Dad, you want to play? You want to play some ball? I think it'd be more fun to talk about relationships. That's just a funny way to start a scene, just like Tim <laughs> ham-fistedly trying to make it look like this is something he wants to do. So he just immediately tells the boys that, I just want you to know that me and your mother share responsibilities equally. And, and Randy goes, what'd you do this time? And uh, you know, they, they just immediately assume that he's in trouble. And so Randy... Well, let's, and let's take that out. I mean, I don't want to belabor every single point in this episode, but like, if you're going to ask, like, what is Tim teaching these kids... I mean, Randy has asked that question of Tim multiple times, even since he was a, you know, a seven-year-old on the show. It's like, yes. what did you do to get into trouble? Like, that's yes. his knee-jerk reaction to Tim doing anything out of character. Tim doing anything that is that suggests that he and Jill are on equal footing or doing anything to benefit Jill or make Jill's life easier, mm-hmm. it is the assumption that Tim is fucked up. Yeah. Uh, and and I guess I guess that is you know to Jill's point that is 
something that he <laughs> is teaching the kids uh, unintentionally. Yeah, yeah. And so... <laughs> So, you know, Tim tries to press this point and Randy goes, well, Dad, you're a guy. You never talk about relationships unless you have to. And then Mark says, did you drop another beam on mom's car? Which <laughs> just great li- Mark line. Two two real killer Mark lines in this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, Mark Mark is a contender for MVP this season. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. In a way that, that like, he hasn't been able to be a contender in a while. Um, so... <laughs> The boys, you know, they, they the boys pretty quickly suss out the, you know, why they're having this conversation that it's related to yeah. Jill being upset about Angela doing Brad's laundry, and they both say that they wouldn't be upset if a girl did their laundry, and yeah, well, we wouldn't mind if a girl did did our laundry. Well, you should mind. Why? I don't know. And Jill then and comes out into the backyard yeah. as Tim and the boys, not seeing her, continue to talk. And that breath that I was holding from earlier uh, continued to be held. Oh, yeah. And Tim Tim explains that they've got plenty of time in their lives to get beaten down and that eventually you two are going to meet that special someone who forces you into an equal relationship. And Jill is overhearing this. And it's like, yeah, yeah this is just gross. This is just this, yeah. this is just gross and unfortunate but, shit that Tim it, is saying. It's meant to be, though, which is where it's, you know, I don't know it's hard to watch, but it's also meant to be hard to watch. The, um, the, the line, the lines are getting big laughs and kind of whoops from the audience because they know that Jill is watching it. And the the joke of it is, oh man, he's saying stuff that all dudes think but never want to say around their wives. And I think or now alternately, the- oh man, he's in the soup now. He's really gonna get it. Let's see how yeah. Jill reacts. And it's putting, you know. The yeah, emphasis like the, on Jill's reaction rather than his shitty behavior. Yeah, like th- this is going to piss that woman off. You know how women hate hearing stuff like this. When it's, yeah, like now I think with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that that's a pretty heinous attitude. That's an extremely yeah. heinous attitude. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, again, on that, we, we just, fade out and we fade back into the conversation. So it goes well, to the commercial and comes back. Well, Jill Jill says, excuse me, and, and then, and then you know, reveals that she's there. And Tim goes, and there's that special someone now. I, th- yeah, I think the this boy, boys take off. Seems like this just encapsulate the kind of like, well, on the one hand, I'm really glad that they're talking about this sort of stuff and this sort of detail. On the other hand, they are like, they're they're putting so much toxic stuff out there that I feel like a lot of people are taking away from this and internalizing yeah. instead of the instead of what the show wants us to internalize that I feel like the social value of this episode is a net negative. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah, I can't I, I can't even anymore. Um, so we come back when we fade out and fade back in. Jill's hitting him with the garbage she's taken uh, to taken out to the trash, and mm-hmm. she's like, "How could you say that?" And Tim's how like, could well, you what say? Did you ex- yeah, go ahead. How could you hits him with the garbage bag? How could you say men are being beaten down by women? Hits him with the garbage bag again, and and the audience laughs at the. So again, it's a situation where it's like the the bit is funny, but it's making a joke out of something that we really shouldn't be joking about. But yeah, so anyway, yeah. Tim takes the garbage from her and throws it away, and they they continue their their debate. Well, okay. Uh, let me ask you. Um, and this might be troubled waters. I don't know. We can get out of it if we need to, real quick. But, um, it, w- what's the solution here? I mean, like, if they're if you're going to do an episode about a, a very important issue like this, um, 
with these characters on this specific show, how do you do it? And, and knowing that you have to demonstrate the you know other side of the argument to show how wrong it is, like what what's the right way of doing it? Knowing that you're on a, a 30 minute sitcom that's supposed to have a laugh, you know, uh, every page. The, the right way of doing it is having Tim be talking to the boys about this and have the boys pose tough questions to Tim that Tim is not able to answer or that in trying to answer them, illustrate for Tim the inherent wrongness of his position. The other way that you do that is that, and this is jumping ahead of myself a little bit, Tim undergoes a transformation between the... the uh, he undergoes a transformation between this scene and then the next A-plot scene in which he suddenly kind of seems to have come around on what Jill is saying. Y- we mm. need to show the moment that Tim actually realizes the position he's been holding is wrong. We need to show Tim engaging with the literature that Jill has given him. And yeah. there's a way to do that that's funny. There's a way to do all of this that's funny. It's And, you know, that's... And, and I think one of the, the more technical issues with this particular script is that it's hard to know who the person is that's supposed to be learning the lesson because it's kind of set up that brad is the one that's supposed to learn this lesson uh because tim hasn't done anything wrong you know physically at the beginning it's just kind of revealed that you know his stance and what he's teaching his kids isn't really up to snuff um but then it kind of splits the difference by the end of the episode which dampens you know uh whatever is supposed to resonate with us yeah the the the, yeah the the difference splitting is another big problem here well look let's just let's get through let's get through this scene because we're coming towards where where the meat of this stuff hits so okay yeah yeah tim tim explains that you know jill is criticizing tim for not being sincere enough when he tried to make this point to the boys and tim says well the boys saw right through him they knew i didn't really believe what i was saying if i have one flaw it's that i'm honest jill says if you have one flaw then i'm cindy crawford and, uh, you know, and she's saying we need to we need to set an example for the boys about uh, so they can they can have healthy relationships with women. And Tim argues that that we have a healthy relationship only if I and Jill says only if I force you to. And Tim says, and this is pretty rough. I can't help how I am. Men have a chromosome that yeah. women don't have the Y chromosome as in why do I have to talk about the relationship? And then yeah. as he's about to storm off, Tim, Tim puts a cherry on top of this by saying men are men and no matter how much you want to you can't turn men into women well you can but it costs a lot and and then he says some other stuff uh that doesn't need to be repeated but so i i i um Sorry, i'm not trying to let you just hang out there in the, in the wind i just don't know even how to react to it i mean like well, and i think i think again, that we also I think we also begin to hit diminishing returns of both of us just saying, "Woof, that's bad. Woof, that sucks." Yeah, but but I, I'll say specifically to what's going on here. Um, I mean, this is listen. This isn't going to be one of our jokiest episodes of grunt work, but no. Uh, I think you know we we're balancing the scales of home improvement here. But um, I think w- what turns in the scene for me is that um, I'm I, I'm no longer aware of where Tim is on this subject. You know, at, at the beginning of the episode, I could have bought into him being ignorant and having it played in that direction, you know, the kind of like aloof, what's what am I doing wrong sort mm-hmm. of idea. And here, yes. I can't quite tell if he's actually taking a stance that is supposed to be communicated to the audience. Like this is, this is what it's really like for men and women to live together. Or if it's like digging its heels into intentionally the wrong side of the conversation to emphasize, to try to emphasize the other point and just doing it poorly. I I can't quite tell. And 
that in itself is a problem for me. T- T- Tim's Tim's position that this is the natural order of things, and that and that to uh, try and talk about it or discuss it or or uh, analyze it is not just wrong but feminine, and that to then that for a man that it's inherently feminine to want to think about these things and that that is bad. I mean, he's he's pretty like he's basically articulating the credo of the proud boys at this point. Just that men are naturally like this. We need to celebrate that men are like this. That this is how it is. And but um, is, I mean, outside of Tim Taylor, I, I'm going broader scope to home improvement is home improvement telling us that this is the way it is, that men are this way and women are that way. And that, you know, this is the the complication that we have to go through in life. Or is Home Improvement saying, no, Tim's wrong here. And he's saying these wrong things. And you should know that they're wrong because listen how repugnant they are. I I think the show is saying, yeah, Tim's wrong. When it should be, Tim's wrong. The show is kind of saying, (laughs) eh. This isn't quite the right way to think about it. But it's not that big a deal, really. I mean, at the end of the day. (laughs) The show show is sending it with a shrug emoji. The, the the show yeah the show is kind of saying oh bad dog when it it should be yeah. swatting him with a newspaper instead it's just lightly scolding him for it the show is right, the show is winking it, at us spraying the dog with a a water bottle when it should be going to the vet to neuter it yes exactly okay. um which would which uh, listen you would have gotten fewer kids out of that situation at least um <laughs> and, and look what, the one thing uh, and then Tim's comment. To find a silver lining in all of this, Tim's comment about about men are men and you can't turn men into women. Well, you can, but it costs a lot. That's not great. There's some there's some low grade transphobia in his ending to that joke. But I will say, uh, the fact that Tim at least acknowledges that, like Tim is implicitly acknowledging with that statement that trans women are women. So in that case, good. I, I, I wouldn't push too hard. <laughs> I'm, I know. If you, I mean, you're if, gonna, your hand's gonna go through it like it's a tissue wall. I, I had to find. I had to find one thing in there that we can say like, well, it's a, well, comp, it's a, it's a criticism sandwich, and it's, it's like a Dagwood sandwich with a lot of criticisms between two very thin pieces of compliment bread. I don't, I don't even think we need to find a silver lining there because the next scene takes us to gold, and okay. I wish that, I wish that the tool time segments didn't exist in this episode because they are fantastic. Um, I, I, I also wish the tool time segments didn't exist in this episode because they are so out of place and taking up space that really could have been dedicated to the yeah. very important issue being discussed in the A plot. I yeah. Also, when we go to tool time, which we know is going to be in 3D, my note is just, is Tim going to do a, like, episode is he going to do a rant about feminism in 3D? Because that's going I... to be peak tool time. I was again, as I have already stated, my breath was held very mm-hmm. deeply. <laughs> I'm yes. like, oh my god, are we going back to season two where he's going to use a 3D soapbox? Um, <laughs> luckily, no. The tool no. time episodes and scenes are completely divorced from the rest of the episode. Uh, They're divorced, just like Tim should be. Yes, Heidi introduces the show to uh, a 3D audience. Everybody in the audience is wearing 3D glasses. I forgot to tell you, I'm wearing my 3D glasses uh, oh. while recording. Yeah, and everyone look, just home- like that guy from Back to the Future. <laughs> oh, one of Biff's uh, Biff's silent yeah. friends. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, ev- and everyone at home, uh, you should be wearing your 3D glasses for this episode because we are podcasting in 3D today. So, uh, <laughs> so that you know, throughout out, this, here comes my pen. Oh, I'm gonna clear my throat. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, I know. It's it's take off your 3D glasses. This is a terrible experience. Um, 
<laughs> so uh, they Tim comes out and uh, Tim and Al come out, and as Tim does the Tool Man salute, he says, "Welcome to Tool Time in 3D," and he does the Tool Time <laughs> salute into the camera a bunch of times, Just three times. It was, it was amazing to me. I, I L like getting on board with the 3d technology just made me laugh so freaking hard um yes. which was much needed in this episode yeah uh, and tim goes into uh well you know al from his uh his uh 3d horror films beard man from alcatraz creature from the flannel lagoon it came from baskin robbins hmm. <laughs> now listen i'm not not on board with that but uh, I will say, good on well, I don't, Beardman from Alcatraz. That wasn't a three D. Birdman from Alcatraz wasn't a three D movie, but Creature from the Black Lagoon and it came from ba- uh, came from outer space were both three D movies. Yes, so good research so, on that at least. Great. Okay, so we're we're giving we're giving points for accuracy now. Um, yeah, but then but then in response but in response to those three, I, I'm you, you should the read rest the of line because I think like that's a lagoon. Am I right? It's more of a quagmire, if you ask me. Uh, so okay, but like I think you want to do the I think you want to do the Al line because I think you liked this Al line a oh lot. So in response to these three burns, what does Al say that you loved so much? And remember, 3D is just an illusion. In reality, Tim has no depth. And the audience cheers for this one. They they know a good <laughs> diss when they see one. I do too. And I was up in the air, out of my chair, just running around with my arms waving, going, "Oh my God, he did not say that." Uh, and I had my coming big back and finger. forth to my screen. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. I mean, it, so, was it was Landon as Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Uh, <laughs> dot gif. Okay. Okay. That's three. Everybody. That's. I think we can make it. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so they're showing off this week how to build a picnic table, and yep. uh, to, I guess to to get on brand for it or talk about other fun uh, picnic activities, Heidi comes in the background of the frisbee and throws it at the camera, um, <laughs> and then Al pulls out his tape measure to talk about how to measure the 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 planks, and he starts thrusting the tape measure towards the camera, and he does something that they do every time they do a three D gag, which he goes whoa <laughs> they do it in unison and it's uh, it's really funny to me uh they do it three times and it doesn't get old at all no because no. they, they just get more contrived with it <laughs> they pick up they, they pick up two by fours to build it and they both do the same thing like they're really long whoa there is there's something special that i can't put my finger on in richard karn's performance in this segment that it is like I don't know. He knows, like, it's almost as if he's playing it in layers that, like, he knows that Al Borland knows that it's a gag and mm-hmm. that it's not even how Al Borland would normally play a Tool Time episode. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, he's just having a, he's having a good time doing a gimmick. Like, he's excited yeah. to watch this on the on the other end and see what it looks like. So anyway, they, you know, they, they, they do all the, the building process. They finish the table and they... <laughs> And they they finish building the table, and as they're carrying it over to set it down, they then like <laughs> Tim and Al are both there carrying is, it. To- there is there is a uh, okay two two things. One, uh, I want to call out a <laughs> an actually a funny line by Tim here because uh, Al's talking about when putting this picnic table together. Uh, when you have, um, if you want to, uh, s- the secret to a secure fit is to make sure that you have good notches. Mm-hmm. And Tim says, or to our fans south of the border, that's Boynus notches. <laughs> that is a good line. That's a very, very good line. 
<laughs> That's uh, one of Tim's only groaner jokes that actually made me laugh. <laughs> and then, yeah, every time they pick up a plank, they do the whoa to the camera. Tim walks over to the picnic table to drill the hole for the umbrella, and, like, the, the drill comes at the camera, which is really reminiscent of Friday the 13th Part 3. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as they pick up, pick up the table to move it over to, to have their picnic, um, <laughs> they, they in unison, wave the picnic table at the camera, both going, whoa. whoa. It, just, it, never, it never gets old. It's so funny to me. And Tim <laughs> picks up the picnic basket, and he's like, okay, we've got um, we got a cob salad for, uh, or a toss salad for Heidi. We got fried chicken for me. And Al, I know how much you love your hot dogs. <laughs> and he just takes out, like, not a foot long, but like a 10-foot 10 10 foot long. long. <laughs> and it just keeps going at the camera, and they end it with just like a whoa. whoa. <laughs> it's great. It's 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 just really I I have it is it is on some level hysterically funny to me that that they decided to in the episode where they knew they were going to have the three D gimmick B plot, they paired it with the like feminist theory A plot, like some pretty yeah. serious and dense stuff mixed up with just. Tim and Al and Heidi waving long things at the camera and going, whoa. <laughs> now, Truman, I don't, I, we, we're dealing with a pretty serious topic. I don't want to belabor such a absurd point here, but no. we get a butterfly transition. Yes. And I can only think of one other time on this show where Mark was playing solitaire with the grunt creep or he was playing cards mm, with the grunt mm-hmm. creep yes this butterfly flies past the hot dog and transitions us to the backyard where jill is doing some trimming of that hedge that the grunt creep was doing last week mm-hmm. and wilson's out there and the butterfly continues through the screen and wilson watches it he jill watches and the butterfly. Wilson. both both they of them both watch do? it yeah they both react to it and watch it that's okay i i the level of planning for that transition, like, they had to have known that going into the recording. Peter Bonners had to block. Like, I there are big budget blockbusters that don't get eye lines right. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. CGI effects. As good as Jill and Wilson watch this butterfly. Uh, Jill and Wilson are doing real Bob Hoskins and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, just reacting to stuff that's that's not around them. It's it's uh, it's ne- but also I guess it's not that big a deal to be like, hey, picture a butterfly. It's going to be right there. Look at it. But not even that. It's like it, it's so much more complicated that for only like two seconds of business, he's like, okay, Jill, it's going to start right by you where it's fl- flares out from underneath the trellis and then you watch it fly up and then Wilson, you're going to pick it up about halfway through the yard and watch it. It's going to go right over your head. Like they had to orchestrate that. And I just want to give the props to everybody on the staff that had to to think that through. Yeah, look, yeah, the, I think that I think that the result of them doing elaborate transitions for six years now is that finally they're like, okay, let's let's add a little more challenge into it. Let's have the transitions start affecting the characters. Do I go back into theories in season seven of Grunt Work? I, you know what, Stay Landon, tuned to find out. That's between you and your god, <laughs> I'd say. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, Jill and Wilson get to talking. They're both they're both yeah. out there doing their gardening and. Jill explains about the problem with uh, with Brad and and Angela and Tim not taking it seriously, and Wilson goes, "Oh men," and the audience just laughs, huge, ridiculous yeah. that that a man would say this. And then Wilson says, 
no matter how much progress we feminists have gained, there's always so much more work to be done. More laughs. Just huge laughs. The notion of a man being a feminist, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It it was off-putting to me, to be honest with you. And I couldn't tell. I mean, it was partly the writing of it. It was partly the performance of it. It was partly that it was played for last. This, this whole moment was just like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, wow. I, I that, give it whatever face that sound sounds like it's making is the face that I was making. I look, I give I give it some amount of props for putting Wilson, who is depicted as the smartest and wisest person on the show, uh, for, for putting that in his mouth and having it on him. And that, that, the, the voice of reason of this show is a feminist and putting out the notion of that that feminism is not just a thing women do, that it's a thing men can do too. I credit the show with doing that. I don't credit the show with the fact that it is, we're clearly supposed to laugh at this idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. again, it's, and it's the yin and the yang of like, it was 1997. And so I don't know whether to praise the show for introducing these ideas or chastise the show for introducing them and then making jokes out of them um so yeah it's 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 a it's tricky waters um but also want to point out you know wilson says i've always behind been behind the women's movement yet he stole judith's (laughs) entire book and thesis and didn't give her credit for it well yeah are are you suggesting that a man can claim to be a feminist and then uh actually be doing loads of misogynistic stuff the whole time because uh (laughs) i'd like to introduce you to my friend joss whedon or 10 billion other dudes uh he he does say i spent he says i spent most of the 60s with my face behind a protest sign which seems to be the the first time wilson has acknowledged that things block his face a lot um (laughs) and jill in this scene wait for it folks laments that none of the men in the house have uh, taken to the you know to the kind of feminist leanings that she's tried to impose on them or tried mm-hmm. to introduce impose is the wrong word that she's tried to introduce she mentions that she gave uh, tim a copy of betty Friedan's book uh the feminine mystique and he used it to uh level his uh level his workbench he put it under one yeah. of the legs of his workbench rather than read it um so you know she's she is upset about this and wilson counsels her that yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know how i feel about wilson's uh oh i feel bad about it i feel real bad yeah well wilson i mean because it it rings in genuine to the what he was saying at the beginning of the scene in that he i mean you give me your your deeper thoughts on it but he basically says that you know brad's 16 he's just he's testing the waters Yeah, he's testing the waters, and then Jill says, and Angela's using it to wash his clothes. But Wilson's point is basically, well, Brad is still young. This is his first experience with women. Surely he'll learn to be a better man. You don't need to worry about setting a good example. And it's like, well, well, no, act, no, this this is the most crucial. I mean, you should have been setting the example sooner. 16, when he's now dating women and in a somewhat intimate relationship right. with a woman, this is a... T- no, no I mean, he doesn't have to... The shit, the shit that he believes about women is ossifying and calcifying now. The impressions that he has are going to be with him for a long time. It, it yeah. is so if, urgent. If, if he does learn, it won't be until his 30s once he's actually done some work on himself and the world to uh, realize, oh, wait, no, that is a shitty point of view to have. Wilson is taking kind of a boys will be boys uh, approach Mm -hmm. on this, which is basically acknowledging, yeah, so all of the women who Brad traumatizes between now and when he 
finally learns his lesson in his late 20s, early 30s. They're, they're just going to have shitty Brad Taylor experiences in their lives that are affecting their outlook on life I, and their mental health. I, it's, it's, really, it's really bad. <laughs> it's this is another because this is this is i think again emblematic of this episode being like this is a problem it's not that big of a problem it's kind of a problem it's like i don't know it's like oh no someone someone keyed my car oh oh no i you know i ordered a quarter pounder with cheese and they gave me a chicken sandwich oh no my my sons aren't treating women that well like it's just like a mild inconvenience that will probably sort itself out yeah, yeah. I, and so, I don't know. I, it makes me, just that whole approach to it makes me feel like, I, I, I don't know, this is where I get stuck. Because I'm like, then you shouldn't be tackling this issue on the show if you can't yeah. do it justice. But at the other side of that, then I, I immediately waver to the other side and go, well, no, they should be, you know, I mean, if they're going to tackle any issue, they have to tackle, you know, there can't be anything that's, you know, uh, sacred. So, you know, they have to tackle it on, on some degree, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm completely lost in this episode, and I don't think I like it. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, I, and I think another thing, this is a, this episode would be, to, to make a convincing 22-minute, uh, convincing and satisfying 22-minute comedy episode about this issue that handles things in a fair and equitable fashion, that's difficult no matter what. Like, that would be difficult yeah nowadays in 2021 home improvement operating in the time that it was with the tools that like this home improvement was never going to handle this issue right and i i think i think part of my reaction to it is just being impressed that it even in 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 certain moments got flashes or glimmers of parts of it right i agree with you it's we're caught i'm caught in this no man's land of like applying 2021 you know, ethics to a show that's 25 years old that was in a completely different epoch. And, you know, it, we can't change the past. It was, was it progressive sure for the that? time? Can we change the past? I don't Actually, know. I but at the same time, close the door on that. <laughs> at the same time, like it, it did, it's hard to watch something like this that tries to tackle a big issue that we're still very much grappling with. But seeing that it was also kind of part of the problem, I don't know. It, it just—it's a very complicated set of things to grapple with. You know what? That's—that's a—I think that's a point that no one is, no one has really made. That um, relationships between men and women are very complicated <laughs> to grapple with. That's good. It's a good. But I'm sorry. That was it. That's that's a di- that's a dick move. It is a complicated thing to grapple with, and this show doesn't have the best set of tools to grapple with a lot of issues, let alone this one. Um, but look, let's, let's focus on what's really important is the transition that gets us out of this scene. Um, uh, Wilson makes reference to that, whatever piece of advice he gives about how boys eventually learn to not be misogynistic, which is terrible advice, but that he learned it from a novelist who he was dating in college and something, something about him frosting her cupcakes. That's not a euphemism. The transition out of this scene, which I took a picture of on my... I paused and I took a picture of this on my screen. The the scene turns into a frosting painting of the freeze frame of Jill and Wilson talking like it's a cake. And then a knife cuts the cake down the middle and it splits into the next scene. I, have a, I got a picture of the frosting rendition of that scene. And I want that to hang on my wall. It's... <laughs> It's it's this just is, I'm gorgeous. Not gonna lie. It's it's legitimately because I'm looking at it now. I can freeze frame it uh, on my my 
device and screen grab it for um, the fans. I maybe I will. Yeah, I think it deserves to be screen grabbed. They legitimately edited the episode, freeze framed, and and I don't know, printed out, did whatever they did in '97 to get a physical copy of this frame. Took it to a cake shop or the ABC, you know, uh, cook catering, you know, the catering, whatever the you know, um, yeah. craft services. That's what I was thinking of, and said, make a cake out of this. <laughs> and they did because I'm I'm looking at it now and it is a legitimate cake. It's not CGI. It's not anything. And when the knife cuts through it, it cuts into cake. <laughs> so yeah, some visual effects team uh, had Wilson and Jillson cake uh, that day. <laughs> I wonder. I mean, do you think it was just white cake? Do you think it was fun fetty? Like, what was it? it this, it's this, definitely vanilla. It's definitely a white cake, but I can't tell yeah. if there are funfetti, you know, a, a layer of funfetti in the middle of it. This is this is automatically shot to second place on my list of most desirable pop culture cakes, second only to the uh, <laughs> FBI logo cake at the end of Silence of the Lambs, which is one of the most <laughs> striking parts of that wonderful Best Picture winning movie is this perfectly made cake, perfectly decorated FBI logo cake that presumably I, tastes like justice. I, at risk of bringing it up in this episode, there, there was a, uh, back in the 90s, uh, before this episode aired, uh, Patrick Stewart hosted Saturday Night Live, and yeah. he played a, a character who ran a erotic cake shop, mm. and people kept coming in thinking it was it, it was a regular cake shop, but he made cakes to be erotic, even though they didn't <laughs> ask him to, and so they just had all these erotic cakes, and he kept... It was a very amorous character he was playing. It was really funny, but they showed a few of the cakes. Those would be high up on my list of... Uh, of um, fictional cakes to have in reality. So, so you're okay. So we take we take different uh, different tracks on what kind of fictional cakes we want. I want ones that yeah. are that are shaped like Law and Order and Justice and Jill and Wilson, and you want ones that are that are shaped like horny Patrick <laughs> Stewart's like, dreams, shaped like a butt. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, you and Dan McCoy could share it. Uh, so. Anyway, they uh, from this we go to Tim in the kitchen, uh, and yep. he's washing dishes or something. As Brad and Angela get home, and Brad says, oh, "This scene was hard to watch. This was a tough one." Brad Brad is hungry, and he suggests that Angela make him a sandwich. So clearly, we've transitioned I mean, it's from so cliche, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've we've transitioned now from Angela offering to do things to Brad just suggesting that Angela do things. Yeah, and then as she goes to make him one. Brad says to Tim, oh, yeah, Dad, are you, are you hungry? She can make you a sandwich, too. And Tim declines, and Angela says, oh, no, really, I can do it. And Tim says, no, I don't want you to make me a sandwich. Thanks anyway. And, you know, Brad, can you can I see you in the garage talk about this thing on the hot rod? And so they go in the garage, and... There, I, I want to, before we get into that, I, I do want to call out, like, there... We, we talked about this last week with Tim Allen as a performer, and I, th I think it's worth mentioning here that as icky as this episode feels... Tim Allen performs this really well, I think. I, I was thinking you, you the same. You see the moment, like, Tim Taylor needed to, he's so thick in the head that he needed, like, to see it unfold before his eyes. And the yes. second that he does, he's like, oh, I see what this is all about. This is not yeah. good. And he immediately takes it seriously. And Tim Allen plays it seriously. Um and like immediately calls Brad out to the garage to like fix the problem. That's yeah. like the the slightest redemption of this episode to me. I, I would agree that he that he sees 
like he sees in action the beliefs that he's been espousing to Jill, and he sees how his boys are following in his footsteps. Uh, that and that it affects him that strongly. That is a level of depth from Tim. A that you only get in a three D episode. B that we would not have had <laughs> in earlier seasons. And when yeah. he's talking to to Brad about it, the kind of serious way that he's having this discussion. I, I did like what the show was trying to do in this sense of mm-hmm. men communicating with men about how to be better to women. I, I don't, yeah. you know, and so he's talking about, you know, do you ever wonder why she does stuff like that? Oh, she enjoys it. And Tim says, well, yeah, she might not. Like, and a lot of times women do things like that because they're scared that men won't like them if they don't do it. And right. Brad asks him where he got this idea. And Tim says, I read it in a book. It's called The Feminine Mistake by Betsy Freeloader. Which, yeah. which so it's like, Tim... Like, thus far, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I was impressed with where Tim was going. And I, I was kind of like, yeah. okay, this episode's redeeming itself. When Tim, if, when Tim in this moment, then the feminine mistake, Betsy, like there's so much shit wrapped up in that, that I don't even want to touch. Yeah. But then also Likewise. The, the, the thing that I really like the fact that the revelation that Tim read a Betty Friedan book, that's huge. And I would have, I would have like, there. It would have been such a great scene to see that Tim is angry about his fight with Jill. This is what would have happened instead of the 3D scene. And he's working at his workbench, and he looks down, and he sees the book holding the workbench up, and he's angry, and he's pissed off, and he keeps, like, I don't know, sanding or whatever. He looks at it again. And then finally, he throws up his hands, and he picks up the book, and his workbench is on off balance, and he's sitting there, and he stays up all night reading the book. And watching Tim reading it and considering it and coming out of it with this... Would it be funny? I don't know, but I think it would be important to his... Like, I think it's a big thing that he read this book and he engaged with this thing Jill wanted him to engage with. That is a, like, that is yeah. a laudable yeah. thing about Tim that I would have wanted to see on screen and would have made me empathize with him more. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it, it's, what do you do? It's a sitcom. I, I mean, I, I, know, I, 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 know. I completely That's... don't disagree with you. I, I think the issue is that it is a sitcom and they have to have laughs and that, you know, it's playing to the biggest, widest possible audience. So they can't have the confidence that filmmakers and, and show producers have in 2021 to have the confidence to play a scene completely serious for more than 30 seconds. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. That's that really is what it, I think boils down to, particularly for this episode, because the scene would have been so much more potent had he not gone into flubbing the title of the book and, you know, I, I would have even bought it had we not had that, you know, scene, which we didn't have the scene of him actually reading it. Cause you know, it's implied that he didn't read it in the course of this episode. He read it in the no. past before he yeah. used it to level his thing. So it's like something he so, did before, which I think that's somewhat commendable. It's not like Tim, go read this book. And then he goes and reads this book. He read it somewhat to his own accord. That's good. Yeah. Um, he, he, we're not he read it to it, but he read it and then promptly forgot everything in it up until this moment because he was making well, the arguments right. he was earlier. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, he, so he talks about, and, and so Brad says, so you're a feminist now. And Tim goes, I don't know what I am. Thumbs down. But when the woman does all the work, <laughs> it's not a good relationship. Thumbs up, I guess. And then Brad says, you're just saying that because you ended up with someone like mom. And Tim gets legitimately outraged and says, I didn't end up with her. I love her. I love that she's a strong woman. Oh, you love that she gives you a hard time? Yes, that's what makes it exciting. I keep trying to think of new ways to slip stuff by her, and she keeps trying to nail me. We're equal partners. Thumbs sideways, trending towards down. 
And <laughs> you're like Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. Yes, yeah, basically. I'm 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 a different I'm a I'm a different uh hunky young dude uh pointing outwards with his hand. Not Leo pointing at a TV, but uh Joaquin pointing at a gladiator. Uh so <laughs> What, what Tim comes like, and so Brad goes like, oh, so you think that's good? And Tim says, well, it works for me, but maybe you just want a sandwich girl for the rest of your life. And then Tim keeps, he just starts going like, you want a sandwich? You want a sandwich? And so I guess the point Tim is trying to make is that, that what, that it's going to be, that Brad should be good to women because it's annoying to have a woman who's kind con- like I don't know. And, yeah, you're you're hitting something very you know important on the head here, which is as Brad goes out into the kitchen after having this conversation with Tim, he takes the sandwich away from Angela and says, "I I you know I'll make my own sandwich." There's you know you shouldn't be doing something that a man could do for himself. And she goes, "Well, when did you learn that?" And he's like, uh, three minutes ago, I guess." And it's like yeah. Brad doesn't even really know what to take away from Tim's point here. I mean, yes. it the the point kind of gets across to him and kind of gets across to the audience, but we aren't really sure why. It, yeah, and again, and and it comes back to grading on a curve because in season three, this episode would have resolved with like Tim writing a funny poem and reading it to Jill, and that's what forgives him. And now and, Tim, yeah, Jill saying, "Ah, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe I did overreact a little bit. He is only 16, and blah blah yeah. blah. Let's go fuck." Yeah, exactly. So that now Tim kind of does half of the right thing, and his son half-heartedly accepts it. That is progress for the show, but not a good message at the end of the day. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Jill, Jill overhears Brad saying all this and is so impressed. And as Tim is coming out of the garage, Jill pulls him aside to kiss him and tell him how happy she is. And uh, uh, yeah, you know, so again, the, do, do, do the bare minimum, folks. That's how you that's how you're a good man. Uh, and this new dance craze that's taken over the nation. <laughs> do the bare minimum. And, and then next year it'll be let's do the bare minimum again like we did last summer. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's that. And then we cut to tool time after dark where Tim is hanging out, waiting for the 3D guys to come get their camera. And he just does a bunch of bits. Just he out carrot tops, carrot top. He yep. has a box of props, turns on the 3D camera and what he shoots a, a, what, a nerf a popper. Ca- or he does one of those. What do you uh, like? I don't even know what they're called. Um, yeah. yeah the, like New it, Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, new, yeah. One of those confetti, whatever. Or yeah. I, I don't even know. Uh, he he opens a, one of those cans of peanut brittle full of snakes. He shoots Nerf bullets at it, and then he shoots silly string onto the camera, and and there and you go. As funny as it sounds, but okay. I, one technical point I want to bring up before we end this episode: the epi- the the scenes that were shot uh, for the 3D gags do look a little bit different, and I. I, there's, I found no trivia that this was actually shot for 3D, um, but I can't imagine why they would go to the lengths, particularly in this outro, of like doing the silly string hitting, silly string hitting the screen in front of the camera the way that it does if it wasn't some sort of 3D gimmick that they were doing. Yeah, yeah, no, the the show isn't meta enough to make humor out of people doing 3d gags without it being 3d i've seen other shows do that but that's more of a mid 2000s bit than a late 90s bit like i they they were doing this for they were doing this because they had some abc like there were probably every show in the block that night had 3d segments 
wait a minute. Hold on. I just found something here uh, to at the risk of making this longer. Uh, a article from the Chicago Tribune on May 2nd, 1997, so right when this episode aired. TV, this is the headline, TV in 3D. Networks make a spectacle of themselves during May sweeps. There you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> okay, I just this just caught my eye, so I'm just going to skip down to this paragraph here. Uh, not that the director ex- or the the studio exec expects to see the effect used on a regular basis in TV or films anytime soon. Even if the self-proclaimed Wizard of 3D has a tough time imagining special effects version of, say, ER or Chicago Hope. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so so ER made a cameo appearance in this episode, is what you're saying? This so this was shot in 3D. And it's also posing that there are other ABC shows like Spin City that uh, appeared in 3D this week. Oh, man, the, the spinning must have been so wild in 3D. Probably would have <laughs> made you real dizzy. Um, I am going to read the rest of this article, and I'm going to post it on some of our social media uh, after this, because this is fascinating to me. And <laughs> <laughs> 90s TV gimmicks, man. You don't, they don't make them like they used to. Wow. Okay. Well, I just why why wasn't the 3D version included on these uh on the DVD? That's all I want uh, to know. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, probably because uh probably because it would have blown people's minds if they could if well, no, it wouldn't have blown people's minds. It would have cheapened it. It was an experience that all of America shared that one time and if people were able to watch it again after the fact, it just yeah. wouldn't be the same for all those people who experienced it together. <sighs> okay. Um we go to the outtakes. Um Jill flubs a line. Jill makes Tim laugh. Um, we get a no pink or a pink no symbol between yeah. each thing, which is just like okay, well, women. That's a that's a meta joke we don't need. Yeah, um, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, I, okay, I I want to I do want to summarize a few thoughts here. Okay, uh, this episode is interesting and troublesome and makes me feel weird. Yes, um, and. I also feel weird trying to podcast about it. <laughs> yeah. I think the the biggest problem for me is knowing that I have to go into deep analytical uh, commentary on this show week after week, knowing also that I am not the person to be talking about this. Like, I should be the one shutting up and learning from what's happening and, and the discourse surrounding it, not the one that's engaging with it and trying to be the asinine version of the person sticking up for the right point of view when I yeah. can't articulate it so well myself. Like, none of this makes me feel good. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. And none um, of it makes the people at home feel good either, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, if this ends up being a lost episode of Home Improvement, a lost episode of Grunt Work, you know, there's worse things are, to lose in the world. Are, are, are you subtly encouraging me to accidentally delete this in the editing process? Like, oops, sorry, gang. <laughs> Guess we'll skip Maybe. over this one. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. It's a look. Know. It's I a mean, it's a tough it's a tough episode, but uh, I I it's an interesting cultural product. And at the end of the day, I think the reason that we talk about home improvement, the reason we started in the first place, is it's an interesting time capsule of a time and a place. And uh, that time capsule happens to be a lot of the time about men and women. And, um, you know, we, you know, we engage with these things. And even though if there's people who you should definitely be listening to more about this than, uh, these two straight white guys who came from comfortable backgrounds, uh, (laughs) well, we're here and we're talking about it. 
use that as a transition into one of our post-ambles for uh, the end of the season, which is something that's important to me. It's become very important to me over the last handful of episodes. Um, anyone that's been listening fully this season uh, knows my trajectory with this and friends and trying to be more open to other perspectives and recognizing, you know, because I have a microphone doesn't mean that I should pontificate every thought that comes out of my head uh, in the moment that it happens. So um, what we're posing, putting out to everyone, and this episode in particular, I think is a good starting point. If you're if you're thinking about, well, I don't know what the good and bad takeaway of home improvement is, start with this episode and uh, this episode of Grunt Work. Let us know what your perspective is on home improvement. We want to know the good. We want to know the bad. We want to know just different perspectives other than us two white guys talking about the show week after week. Yeah. Um, what you makes you? Up. What makes you revisit this show by listening to our show? Like what you know? What what brought you to home improvement? What was your hook for for you? Like what does it mean for you? And what do you, yeah, how do you, how do you react to it in 2021 as opposed to how you did when you first watched it? You know, yeah. what do you, what, what do they get right? What do they get wrong? You tell us, I, and we're going to read all of these answers. We've already gotten a few. Um, you can hit us up uh, at our email address, info at gruntworkpodcast.com or on our social media, uh, gruntworkpod on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can join our Discord. Uh, you can find the links anywhere there or on our website, uh, gruntworkpodcast.com. Um I, I this this has become important to me. I, I really want to get other people's uh, perspective on the show. Yeah, I and as do, as do I. I don't. I can't put that any more eloquently than Landon did. But I am excited. And to it see was what not eloquent. So <laughs> yeah, again, it's a low bar that I'm failing to clear. Like so many men on this show. Um, yeah, but no, please write in, share with us. You know your your feelings on the show and what it means to you. It, you know we spend so much time putting our perspective out there. It would be great to get your perspectives too. Uh, um, yeah. Truman, Landon, I have a question for you. Yes, that question is one word, mm-hmm. and it goes thus. <clears throat> That's correct. What's the grunt count? <laughs> That's a translate. Translated. What's the, what's the grunt count this week? Oh, well, and again, oh, it's I'm, yeah. So it's a question that you have to answer. So I I really I'm, I'm I, I need to be better at remembering yeah what, what this is. <laughs> but yes, Landon, what is the grunt count for this episode? Uh, my guess uh, for the grunt count this week is zero. Your guess is wrong. It was one. What? There's there when? is a grunt. There's a grunt early on at the beginning when Tim is uh, when Tim is talking about the three D uh, the three D technology and stuff like that. He does one big satisfied grunt about three D uh, effects and three D movies. Really? Now, if you had to translate the grunt to English, what would it say? Uh, you know, it would say something like, uh, "Oh, Revenge of the Fifty Foot Woman in three D, hubba hubba," something to that effect. I think it's that's that's what Tim is going for. Is it, are you saying it's like a reminiscent grunt, like uh, I, thinking back on a good memory? I think yes. I think it's t- Tim has a lot of fond memories of putting on those flimsy paper three D glasses and having his <laughs> mind blown at the drive in, and uh, I think that's what he's kind of living through in that grunt. So it's not it's a grunt that's not brought on by power tools, but by a prior engagement with an artistic product, and that is a grunt that I can approve of. Now, w- would it be the fifty foot attack of the fifty foot woman, or would it be creature from the black lagoon? Because he does you know, mention it, it twice in this episode. You know, yeah, maybe it was more of a. You know, I think that I was just grasping for anything in that moment, and I seized on uh, Revenge of the Fifty Foot Woman. It would probably be Creature from the Black Lagoon. But yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's a little more terrifying. 
than yeah. the, you know attack of a fifty foot woman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't really seen either one of them, but uh, oh. you know, I mean, this this episode probably would have been more fitting for Tim to have thoughts and feelings about attack of the fifty foot woman, but I sure don't want to hear what they are. <laughs> Well, um, I'm sorry. I tried to give you one last chance to get the the secret word of the episode, oh, shit, which the was word. Gilman. Gilvan. Gilman. Gilman. Yeah, I was never going to get the monster. That. The monster from the creature from the Black we, Lagoon. We could have we, we could have talked for another four or five hours. I never would have said Gilman. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it, uh, unless unless you like led me into like the name of someone whose name was like Frank Gilman or something like that, I was never going to get Gilman. <laughs> well, they only did a trilogy of the creature from the Black Lagoon, but I'm sure the fourth one would have been uh, after he's entered society, he becomes an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> called Edward Gilman. Yes, um, yeah, Frank Frank Gilman, attorney at law. Okay, uh, let's get out of this episode. Um, so be sure to look at our social media soon for the People's Choice MVP. Our Super Spectacular is coming up soon. We're going to put out that poll so you can vote on your choice for the MVP of the season. Um, and also, uh, our Spectacular this year is going to be live on Discord. So be sure Woo! to uh, join up and, and sign up for that so you can watch a video feed of us doing this live. Two dudes Everybody talking. is talking about that get them while they're hot <laughs> uh just gonna get out of this grunt work is made possible by our patrons uh if you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show consider becoming an official grunt head sponsor over at patreon.com slash grunt pod leave us leave us a rating or review on apple Podcasts because it's the fastest easiest way to support us and it goes a long way to help others find the show stop by to say hi to us on twitter or instagram at Pod, or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can also see other information about It tickles you so episode. much when I say the name of our website. I mean, it's not a funny website name, dude. <laughs> you registered the domain. It's not. I don't know why it makes me laugh every time. Um, I, I don't either. It's a mystery of this show. Sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next week, when we bring you the penultimate episode of Season 6 <gasps> of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. I'm Truman Caps. And remember, if your boyfriend keeps asking you to make him sandwiches and you don't want to do it anymore, just start making him really shitty sandwiches with, like, too much mayonnaise and only lettuce inside and only use, like, the end piece of the bread. I mean, eventually he'll either learn about feminism or just stop asking you.